Today on Anatomy of a Movie, we talk about Damien Chazelle's critically acclaimed La La Land. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Popcorn Talk's show, Anatomy of a Movie. We are here talking about La La Land. Big, big film. Yes. That everyone's so talking about and buzzing about. I'm your host, Marissa Serafini. You can follow me on Twitter at Serafini TV. And today we have a full panel. A full I'm, house. A full house. I'm very excited. Everyone, introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Stephanie Wenger. Good to be back with you all. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and all over the internet at Stephanie Wenger. I'm Emily Harlan. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at OMG. It's MLE. Hey, movie fans, Dimitri Panos here. And you can support me on Twitter. At DMovies1701. Hi, I'm Becca Brown, and you all can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BeccaBTalksTV. Excellent. All right, La La Land, Damien Chazelle's follow-up to Whiplash, <coughs> even though coincidentally this was in development before Whiplash really became a thing. But as usual, this is a very spoiler-filled show. You can download our rundown in uh, in the description below. There's a lot of good information that we'll obviously cover and talk about in full detail. But as usual, let's start with quick thoughts. Stephanie, how about you? I really enjoyed this movie. I had really high expectations going into the film. Um, I think that around LA, it's been talked about a lot. This movie is going into award season. And for me, it totally lived up to it. It's a love story between Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, two of my favorite actors. And in addition to that, it's kind of telling a story. It's like a love story to LA and also a little bit of the heartbreak of trying to like live your dream. And it's, for me, it just it really worked as a film. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Loved this film. Um, same thing. There was so much hype to this. So it was something that I definitely was going into it with high expectations. Uh, but anything with Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, like, sign me up. I don't even care what it is. I'm going to go see it. Um, and I loved this film. I mean, for those of you that don't know, I know Dimitri knows this, but I live in a fantasy land, and so I love the happy ending in movies, and, like, everybody ends up together and everything is happy and at the end. And although this didn't necessarily play that out in full, I still really, really enjoyed this film. Same thing, just the balance of dreams, living your dream, and also kind of the reality and the sacrifices you have to make, I thought was so um, just relevant and, you know, something that everybody could kind of pull from. So I loved it, everything about it. Go ahead. I I always defer to the woman first. (laughs) (laughs) Going into the film, like, I had seen, like, so much about it on Twitter and stuff, and that's why I, like, originally, like, was like, okay, I'm going to check this out. So I went last Friday, and then, I don't know, it's just, like, a feel-good movie, and I'm kind of obsessed with it. I downloaded the soundtrack after watching the movie and saw it again on Wednesday. I thought it was incredible. So you saw this twice? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so you really like this film? Yes. <laughs> All right. Dimitri, how about you? You know, I, I think I'm going to be the first. I was not Gaga for La La Land here. <laughs> um, big fan of Damien Chazelle, and I think he really works to he works hard to bring the musical back. Uh, and obviously his passion for jazz and old Hollywood ooze off the screen in a great in great prime technicolors. Uh, but his camera work dances, I thought, as wistfully as his characters, and he truly has a zest for storytelling. And for the most part, I think he succeeds. But when you're going for that vibrant, whimsical movie, he just didn't stick the end for me. 
you should go all the way. And he purposely decided to not do that. And I got to be honest, that that bothered me. Um, I really got into the story and I was like trying to say, well, what, is, what are you saying about romance and love? Like, are you saying that that two people who really love each other can't continually support one another in their dreams and aspirations and you can't do that together? Um, so that's sort of like I was expecting and wanted this to be a hopeful, optimistic movie and I wanted to walk out with that feeling and I didn't. And I thought of another movie that I saw earlier this year, which is a very underserved, underappreciated movie called Sing Street, which is not a musical per se, but it really focuses around a lot of music. And that movie hit all the notes, and it just became this wonderful, heartfelt, and it had heart. And for some reason, I just think Damien Chazelle, while he loves Hollywood, he obviously loves L.A. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And he loves movies. I'm not entirely sure he loves people. You know, I mean, when you look at well, when you look at Whiplash, you know, and Whiplash, I think is a far better yeah. movie. It's an um, it is. Whiplash is an amazing movie. We broke it down here. We had the sound editor on for Whiplash. And the end is very debatable. Like, we had great discussion about the end of that movie and what that meant. But again, it's a very hard movie about people being mean to one another. And in this movie, it's like, it just ended up being just another L.A. story where we, you know, people get together, they break up because they got to follow their own passions. And Mm -hmm. I feel if you're in love, you can support one another in that. And I wanted that whimsical feel. So, um, I, I kind of have to agree with you, Jimmy, too, too. I did enjoy this film. Like, as if, you know, you follow me, Stephanie, you and I, we did the Glee after show on our sister network, After Buzz TV. Go check it out. <laughs> uh, but, like, I'm big fans. I'm a big fan of musicals. And, and like, I always appreciate, like, those type of movies and what, you know, they resonate with people. Um, I like the story, but, however, I felt the, the movie started off great for this. But I felt the second half wasn't as strong as the first half. I think totally it kind of dragged a bit and just slowed down compared to what the first half was. They got all the um, the spectacle out of the way, and then the second half was just kind of about the story. And these characters, we, we kind of, uh, I kind of questioned, like, did we like the characters and were they good enough, likable enough to follow throughout the whole movie? And even at the end, I'm like, I'm not sure if I even, not to sound mean or anything, I'm like, I'm not sure if I cared about them at the end, which is really upsetting because they are the protagonists of the film. And I think the story just kind of didn't suit well for me at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, though, we talked a little bit about this after seeing the movie. Yes, and we saw it together. We saw it together. Um, but I, uh, I feel like in some ways maybe that was an intentional choice on the director's part that the first part was um, this spectacle and I think that everybody moves to LA thinking like oh it's going to be great I'm going to be a star tomorrow and it's going to be this like 
whole thing and like it's this love story and then you get to the reality of it and that's the second half of the movie is, is that it's about sacrifice and yes maybe you love each other but does it always work maybe not and that's a sad fact but like I think that that was more the intention, or at least for me, that's what I got. Yeah, but yeah, this isn't point. Rent. Like, yeah, exactly. This isn't Rent. Like, this this was, this was starts off as, I'm going to be a whimsical thing. I mean, and and it's not like it gets dark towards the mm-hmm. end. I, and I guess the other thing that sort of bothered me is, like, the intention of the breakup, too. Like, I didn't feel... Like, this is a guy that literally drove to Nevada to tell yeah. her about an audition. If that's not love, like, and if that's not worth having in your life, that you put your own needs ahead of you, like, those things sort of bother me. So it wasn't about, like, he didn't, like, I was, like, questioning, did they break up? Like, that that, that scene, like, he came home to surprise her, and she was legitimately, like, surprised, and I was like, oh, that's, that's, mm, that's look, call me, call me a silly romantic, but if I watch a whimsical music, Musical, which this number one, let's 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 get this out of this movie. There is no denying it's a musical within the first three minutes. Oh, for sure. Oh, okay, yeah. the first so, seconds. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, we'll and, talk and, about the whole yeah. interstate scene. But it, yeah. we'll talk about the interstate scene. But I think from a marketing standpoint, this sort of kind of been hiding that it's a musical. This is a musical. Mm-hmm. Like well, that's exactly my question because while I was watching this film, I I think it kind of had issues of where what kind of genre it was trying to find yeah. itself under. Yes, it has musical elements to it, but is it a drama? Is it comedy? There were some comedy bits in it, mm-hmm. but like I, I think it was having issues of like I couldn't tell tonally what kind of movie this was. Mm, yeah, I mean, yeah. color. I mean, yeah. beautifully shot. I mean, yeah. wonderfully shot. The prime again. The colors where I saw it just popped off the screen um, and the way that it was filmed whether it was uh, like singing in the rain that the costuming mm-hmm. was classic yet contemporary mm-hmm. I just felt you know and I love that whole thing I yeah just, well I, the romantic in me was like they could have stayed together like I, I ended up being bummed that it was just an yeah. LA story about people pursuing their LA dreams yeah, yeah. I feel like he so. kind of pushed her into that though yeah. where he you know that scene where she's like okay well where do we stand and he's like when you get this role you have to put all of you into it so I felt like he kind of set up the relationship for like okay you gotta go do your thing and if we end up together great if not that's fine too you know it kind that's of felt to me like he was kind of <laughs> yeah, I felt he was encouraging that her though yeah. like in a relationship you encourage the other person you don't want that I mean she had a she had an amazing opportunity and he encouraged her and he encouraged her and I didn't get outside of we'll talk about it later too he was making money like what what happened to that like he could have opened up his club a hell of a lot earlier than the five years later like yeah. there was well, stuff like that we'll but, get to it I think it would have been interesting if they had like shown like maybe like two years after their talk if like they were still trying to be together or yeah. what was like their current status at the moment because the next time we see them is five years later and it's like Okay, so what happened in between that yeah. time? Yeah, it seems like all communication was lost between those two. Yeah. The fact that they yeah, pursued yeah. their own dreams. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll definitely get into it. We obviously have a lot of thoughts. But let's start with the, the development of this, obviously. Damon Chazelle, what I found interesting was that he actually had this story before Whiplash really became a thing. And uh, he, he concepted and con- you know, conceptualized this while he was still in Harvard. Yeah, wow. and, and, and he also credits that uh, 
he made a, a fifty thousand uh, dollar sixteen millimeter. Uh, we were just talking about film school movies, yeah. and he made a sixteen millimeter musical called Guy and Madeline on a park bench, which was about a um, a musician, a, a jazz pianist, in fact, and about their romance. And he said those were the seeds that 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 stuck with him to to do La La Land. Um, but, you know, trying to do anything different in this town. And this is where I applaud him. You know, at least, you know, he, he tried. You know, get it. Yeah, I'm going to make a musical. Uh, and, here, and he told people, I'm gonna be, it's going to be a musical set in L.A. Oh, yeah, and they don't get together. And that was like, everybody's like going, yeah, okay. That's <laughs> 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 an easy sell. I think in the research, it's interesting that he initially had it planned because he was at Harvard when he initially came up with the idea to have it in Boston. And I feel like that would be a very different film in actuality because I think Mm -hmm. that as cliche as it is, people understand like like the L.A. dream, if you want to call it that. And so having this movie set in that universe, kind of you know what's where it's going, where in Boston I think there's a lot more room for... I don't know, just a different story. Like, mm-hmm. this feels, like, very much an L.A. story. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. it's an L.A. story. Yeah. Like, yeah. most people from L.A. are actually transplants. Oh, know? for sure. <laughs> and he is, you know? Yeah, so it's, exactly. like, kind of, like, his yeah. own journey, like, to L.A. to try to become, uh, you know, the successful director, writer. And can we just point out that he's, like, 31 I years know. old? So yeah. thanks for making me feel like an underachiever. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like, gosh. Yeah, we're, we're that age. We're like, ah, oh, what are we doing? Yeah, <laughs> gosh. Yeah. But, but we can't compare ourselves to him. Well, right. his career track, yeah. though. He has a great career. Too. Well, yeah. yeah but, yes. you know, I mean, his career track from Whiplash starting off as a short and then being picked up to be made as a as a, as a feature-length film and then getting the accolades and the various Academy Awards that it won, I mean, that, that puts him on the map. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes time, oh, well, you know what? I have this La La Land. And even, even with Whiplash under his belt, still having a tough time getting it off the ground until, well, it was, it was Lionsgate Summit. Who, yeah. who figured that they, you know, mm-hmm. they, they lost out on the bidding of Whiplash and they didn't want to potentially lose out here and with the casting and everything. I just found it very interesting, you know, the genesis of this project started off back in Boston, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, and who says there can't be romantic movies that, that, that are set in Boston? Did nobody ever <laughs> see the town? <laughs> Come on, that was a very romantic movie. I, so I even... Uh... Uh, what was that? Good Will Hunting. Good Will Hunting. <laughs> you know? Even though that's a sad movie. But yeah, yeah. I have to say, going into the movie, I didn't watch Whiplash before. So I actually became like a Damien fan after the movie ended. And I went home and I'm like, I'm going to watch Whiplash. And uh, I rented it on iTunes. And incredible, too. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, so awesome. he, he definitely has the ability to, you know, create such an amazing project. And what yeah. I found interesting with this film is that it had a few stalls. I mean, it's stalled at Focus Features. Sure, oh, Jesus. And then, you know, they eventually got picked up from, you know, Lionsgate that actually helped give them the financial backing to fully execute what they were wanting to film in this movie. And, 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 but what happened at Focus, too, though, there was a regime change. Like, it was going to go forward uh, at Focus, and then... They, you know, the person, uh, James Seamus, uh, they they left the company. They, they there was a change, and so hence, you know, you, you, what's the saying? 
uh, in this town, uh, you throw the you throw the bath you throw the baby out with the bathwater, you throw the bathwater out with the wash. Like mm-hmm. they just throw everything out. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. regardless of whether it's a good product or not, it's like nah, it's associated with them. Yeah. we don't want it. Um, you know, and it's a musical. Yeah. You know? So, you know, it, it, it's tough. It's yeah. tough. It's, it's, it's as tough. The only other movie that right now that I can compare this to that probably had a bigger uphill battle was The Artist. That's a black uh, and white right. silent movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, okay. How do you, like, you know, so this yeah, is sort of kind of, yeah, yeah, one best that. picture. Yep. This is what I sort of kind of compare this is what I can compare La La Land to in trying to get it pitched. Well, also I found it interesting in the development of this that there was a completely different cast. It wasn't always Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. It's Mm -hmm. Miles Teller, who of course was in Whiplash, um, and Emma Watson. And I feel like it obviously would have been a younger couple, like uh, maybe a... (coughs) I don't know exactly how old they would have been. Maybe 25, 26? Like mid-20s yeah. compared to late 20s, early 30s. Yeah, and so I feel like that's it changes the movie. That alone changes the movie, but also that casting would, would feel very different in this mm-hmm. movie than yeah. Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. Yeah, I completely agree. I can't really... I, uh, at first when I heard that it was going to be Miles Teller, I'm like, what? No way. You know, but, but now I can kind of see how that would have happened, but I don't think it would have been the same feel, like you said, at all. It would have been a completely different feel to the film, so I'm glad the cast. Sorry, Miles, but I'm glad the <laughs> casting change happened. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad it happened because it kind of happened for the better, even mm-hmm. though they went off to their own different projects. Um, but Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling have already worked together yeah. twice. Their yeah, chemistry has true. already been established yeah. on screen. So the yeah. fact that they're uh, together again for the third time, there's no problem in denying their chemistry. Right, it's right. There. No, I mean, and it was a smart. M- I get it, although I still very interested in the Miles Teller Emma Watson because Miles Teller is a great actor and obviously when you see him in Whiplash, Damien Chazelle knows he's going to put his all into making this work and Emma mm-hmm. Watson has proven to be a really strong actress as well but as things started to fall apart, like again when things stall so much that's when Chazelle started working on Whiplash more like okay I got I, I got a, not, this ain't going anywhere but I'm going to keep it, a, I got to work on Whiplash and in a sense, when you th- like the crazy stories about how development works, in this particular case, it worked out because I'm, if he never did, if he didn't do Whiplash, I'm not, in sh- I'm not entirely convinced that he would have been able to do La La Land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think, like, it, you know? I think uh, La La Land was offered to him while he was filming Whiplash. Was my understanding of it? So, well, he he was in the running for it, and then Keller was actually upset that. He didn't get it. Yeah. That they were going creatively a different route. Yeah. Yeah, and it was because Whiplash won at Sundance, marked the arrival uh, of Chazelle to the to the water world, and La La Land became a real conversation okay. again after winning Sundance, and then you know Lionsgate put in a bid on Whiplash, and they lost out, as I said, and then uh, you know for starters, Summit. Um, the, the gentleman Paul Feig presided over and, and produced the Step Up Dance franchise, and they mm-hmm. spoke about Emma Watson, Miles Teller. Um, I think it's Eric Feig. I'm sorry, not Paul, the director. Um, so, you know, but but Summit was doing these perks of being a wallflower. They, they did these yeah. successful also Emma Watson. So, you know, I, I just... It, it, everything fell into place for Chazelle 
to get this movie made and and to make it the way he wanted to make it too because Lionsgate gave him that birth they didn't want him to change things mm-hmm. yeah well uh, going back to what you were saying with Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling they were also a known commodity at this point like the crazy stupid love is like one of those things where yeah. people Man. go and like watch those scenes with them and are super like I have a friend who's super excited just by like that portion of the film <laughs> so um, you know it, I think that that's something that also helps when you have a movie like this having those known commodities come yeah. in yeah. yeah I watched an interview where they were like where someone mentioned like they're like the perfect looking Hollywood couple and I'm like yeah kind of yeah they kind of have that they can they can have that old timey look too yeah. that I feel like the film kind of plays off of you know right. they kind of can look like they're from the 50s or 60s or whatever yeah. you know they kind of have that feel that look to them so that I think that helped too yeah and, and for me it just helped I mean Emma Stone in this movie, if she doesn't get a, a, to me, she was the one, she was the one that, that really leapt off the screen. Mm-hmm. Like, whenever she was on, it was it was just hard not to take your eyes off of her. Yeah. And, you know, she, I, I, she would be a shoo-in to get an Academy Award nomination for, for, for yeah. actress. And, you know, trying to figure out who she might be up against, I think she has a really good shot. She was so, like, magnetic. And and even with her dancing, her singing, her acting, it was just hard. Like, every time she came on, it was even hard, like... Ryan Gosling's a great actor, but you focused on her. Mm-hmm. She was just, a, to me, I thought she was amazing. Especially yeah. the audition scene. Yeah. Which one? Yeah. The, the end audition scene was incredible. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely get the, to that as well. But let's just talk about the writing, you know, obviously written by Damien Chazelle, but he also was with his writing partner, Justin Horowitz, who, who was also his friend from Harvard, who also did the music for yeah. this movie. So you can definitely tell um, they have a good working relationship about you know the story. And the, what I found interesting is while they were shooting and stuff, they, they would change the script to help with the actors and their personal you know, talents to help you know, cater to that. Um, so the, the script did change over the test of while they were filming. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like completely set from the beginning, mm-hmm. so it showed the you know the creative um, liberties that and like he allowed them to be collaborative. Yeah, right. Yeah, which I think is not always the case on these kinds of films. I think especially if you have a film for so long, it's it's sometimes like you want so much control over it and to have something that's so collaborative. And I know I've saw several interviews with Ryan Gosling talking about kind of how he learned to play piano and like all of the stuff that he kind of brought to the table. And um, I think it's exciting. Like that was one of the things that I felt like people seemed, sometimes you can tell when a movie set is not great. And this felt like a movie set that people actually enjoyed being on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things that impressed me most was that Ryan Gosling learning how to play piano thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because, jeez, he was good. Yeah, he was really good. Yeah. Yeah, and they didn't have to, like, Miles Teller knew how to play drums. Yeah. But he was never that, like, he was never that good. Um, And I think piano is a little, there might be a little more finesse on a piano, but but, but if you watch, if you watch, like, they do some great camera trickery and editing and whiplash. Um, they film Miles Teller too from behind a lot, 
Um, where in this, it, there was the there was no digital, yeah. you know, shenanigans going on. So if the camera went from his hands on the piano, then it would wipe up into his him. face, and like you, you saw that he was, you know, you playing the, the keys yeah. and, and acting as if he was really playing the piano. I, I there wasn't a time that I doubted it, and there wasn't a time that I thought that there was digital trickery going on yeah. either. I was waiting for that kind of break because I didn't mm-hmm. think that it would for. actually be him, you know? And then, yeah, when it kind of panned up, I'm like, oh, my God, that's really him playing. And I saw something that he spent two hours a day, six days a week in piano lessons <laughs> learning to play the piano just for this film. And by the end of it, they they did not have to use a hand double or any CGI. So I thought, like, Absolutely what dedication. Yeah, dedication. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Super incredible, yeah. He's gorgeous and he can play I know, piano. just <laughs> add another thing on the list for Ryan Gosling. Jeez. <laughs> Play piano at my future wedding? No? Yeah, there you go. Or at our wedding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yes, yeah, so, I mean, we'll, we're talking about Ryan Gosling. Let's talk about him and what he brought to this character of Sebastian also playing, you know, being a jazz musician in this film, playing the piano. But what did you think of his performance from where his character started and how his character ended? I liked the snobby side of him, kind of. At the be- more of the beginning, <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. It made me like more excited to watch and like see where the film was gonna go, to see like the trailer and then like the beginning of the movie where he's all snobby mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like close-minded, I guess. Kind of. Yeah, I really liked his performance in here. I liked the, kind of how his character. I felt like he never really, or his character, I guess, never really. I don't want to say changed a whole lot, but he still had that kind of like stubbornness that he was going to make his dreams come true, regardless yeah. of the fact, you know, from the very beginning, he's like, this is what I'm going to do. And there was that little dip in the middle where he did kind of sacrifice his dreams for something that he didn't necessarily believe in, but at the end ended up, you know, following through and, and making everything happen. So I felt like it kind of, for me, stayed pretty much the same from start to finish, um, you know, as far as his character and just kind of that stubbornness. And he's he, in one of his interviews, said that he believed his his character believed that if you have enough heart and talent, that things will fall into place. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of how they're supposed to be. So yeah, I mean, ever since Drive, uh, Ryan Gosling to me has always had something similar to the Steve McQueen kind of cool to him. And, and and it sort of kind of stuck with him and, and all his future roles, whether whether it be Crazy Stupid Love, whether it be The Nice Guys, which I think he was amazing in. And in this movie he still he still has that 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 coolness to him that he can carry off and and be in that kind of forties, fifties type of musical. Mm-hmm. Cause you sort of kinda need that. I mean, Fred Astaire like there was, a, not only did he have the body language of, uh, to dance, but he could be sort of cool and fun, and and he emulated that. Ryan Gosling yeah. did. Um, you know his character. Look again, it just goes back to me to the the Damien Chazelle just has this passion for jazz, and um, there are conversations that take place in this movie and in Whiplash about you know if. Nobody's going to listen to jazz. Like, you got to do this. And, you know, I am a fan of jazz as well. And and I get, it to an extent, you know, what he was talking about. And, you know, ta- I love the whole tapas and what was it? Tapas oh, and yeah, samba. Yeah, yeah. Tapas yeah. and samba. What <laughs> is that? You do one thing really good and just stay with yeah. it. Is it tapas or samba? 
But I get the whole thing that he's talking about regarding jazz. And when people hear about it, they think of, like, Kenny G or something. Mm -hmm. Smooth jazz. And I love the fact that he took Emma Stone to a really great jazz club and they got to... She she was exposed to it to a point where she actually appreciated. She mm-hmm. goes, okay, I see what you're what you're talking about, but I think that's all because of Damien Chazelle's passion for that, and I think that oozes off the screen. So if anybody picks up the Whiplash soundtrack because they're like going, oh wow, this is really great stuff, and people can walk away with a yeah. finer appreciation. I personally, I'm all for it because mm-hmm. I think it's fantastic. But that's the way I felt about his character, his stubbornness, so to speak. I just wish that when he took that gig to make money, he was happy to make money, right? And he was making good money because apparently they were a hit touring and and he got a cut of the touring profits. He got a cut of merchandise plus a thousand bucks a week. I was like, A, why didn't you move out of that apartment? Mm -hmm. B, (laughs) why weren't you buying that club already? Like... This was all money that you could you could do to 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 put it like you could still have your dream and and do that. I don't know. I was just like, you're making good money now. Like, like <laughs> I think it was more so he was just paying his dues, and maybe it just took him five years to finally pursue his dream. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, going off of what you said that like Damien actually was like like maybe kind of wrote. Or, like, had the character written, like, um, to be like him. Mm-hmm. Had the character of Sebastian written to be like him. Because he's pushing jazz out to the audience of the film, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he does, and he did that in Whiplash, yeah. you know? And you get it. And I love when a director is able to do that and tell a, a story and not have you feel like you're beaten over the head with yeah. it. But you can tell his passion. But you can tell yeah. his passion for movies as well. Mm-hmm. Like, this kid... He grew up loving movies and respecting yes. the craft of making movies. I can't take that away, whether I thought about the ending. This is a beautiful movie, and his respect for the old school... This movie, I don't know how it was in, in, in your theater, so I'm going to throw this out there. I saw it at the Landmark Theater. So when, um, when the movie opens... The, the curtains were drawn yeah. towards the middle, mm-hmm. so all I saw, like, filmed what? in CinemaScope, and then the curtains pulled back, and you saw that beautiful, old-style, original CinemaScope logo, yeah. and it said, filmed in CinemaScope, and it was so colorful and gorgeous, and just the use of curtains, because curtains were always used at, in- at that to crop, depending on how a movie was filmed, they would crop the screen, that's what they were basically for. And I just saw it pulled back, and I was like, that's such a nice touch. The only thing that was missing was filmed in Technicolor, because <laughs> all those movies were filmed in that beautiful Technicolor. But right from then, you knew that, okay, he has a passion for this. What I yeah. loved about that was that it felt, yeah, like a movie from another era, but then you had these moments, kind of going back to the writing, where it was very current day. Like everybody mm-hmm. has a Prius, like yeah. you know, yeah. like yeah. and it, like they're I used to or, a Prius. yeah, like ordering nice, <laughs> <laughs> um, like at a coffee shop. It's like a mocha latte, blah blah. blah. Like yeah. it, and it felt like very current, but also in that like big movie scope of of old older movies. I yeah. love their self-awareness though. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. because uh, even at the very beginning, right after the Interstate Musical, 
and then we saw this like winter, and they just sang a song about being in the sunny day. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. It was like the same. It, this is winter in LA. It's still <laughs> sunny, but yeah. like yeah. The, those uh, little moments that you reminds like I think it's the LA humor, the only us that we would understand in Los Angeles. But if you're on the East Coast, you probably it would go over your head. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean you, you get it. If it's a, I think if you're in Boston watching La La Land and it says winter, you're like laughing. It's like yeah, come over here and I'll show you winter. <laughs> but, um, yeah. it, you know, to your point, to like we, I was talking to someone last night, and I said, you know, we just we're we're in a year of throwbacks. It's like everybody's clamoring so hard sequels. to be to throw not even sequels, but just to be nostalgic. Just to look at look at Allied is a throwback movie. It's mm-hmm. everything is everything is looking towards the past of film history and how movies were shot. And this movie is no exception. I did like that there was no overuse of say the cell phone. Like it never no, current current technology never like overshadowed anything like it never became it was there but it was there as like a normal use you know so yes it was modern day but yet it still had people dancing in the streets and you had the great scene at that that party Mm -hmm. um jumping in the pool it was the way in which that was filmed that was all nostalgic but it's today and it felt it felt classic yeah i get a little bit more to the cinematography too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, let's talk yeah. about uh, Emma. Yeah. You know, we yes. talked about Ryan, but Emma, Emma Stone and her performance, she blew me away in this movie. Oh. Yeah. So, like, she, she's, she can do drama, she can do comedy, and then now she can do musicals. musicals. So, like, this girl has it all. Yeah. Honestly. And I think you mentioned it earlier, but her audition scene, I never knew, like, how much and how real she could get. Mm-hmm. And her performance and what she, you know, really just performed, it was just... It was so heartfelt and emotional. And Which audition scene? Her, the audition yeah, at the end when uh, she was that like, the one changed her song? career. Yeah. Yeah. That changed her career. Because yeah. I point to the one where she was on her phone. Oh, the emotional. Like movie, having yeah. that. Oh, that, that one too. The, the, and it gets the, interrupted. The, yeah, it gets interrupted. Yeah. She again. I just go. She was fantastic in this movie. Uh, that, that's I, like I can't. I can't see anybody else at this it. point. Like I don't know what what the what her competition will be, but she literally commanded the screen, and she did it effortlessly. Like it was fun. There was another scene where the camera would go to her dancing, mm-hmm. yeah. and then it'd go back to oh yeah, Ryan yeah. Gosling, in the jazz bar, in the jazz mm-hmm. bar, and. I'm like uh, go go back to her. <laughs> like go back to her. She yeah. seemed to have so much fun, and she yeah, seemed so comfortable in that world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, she was great. I, I, oh, sorry. No. Uh, well, I was just gonna say that she. I think she's brilliant in, in everything she does. I was trying to think yeah. of like her back. You know, the past movies, and I'm like, is there something she did that I did not? necessarily enjoy and I can't think of anything for for me personally I love all of her films and especially in this one like you said I feel like she just jumped off the screen with everything she did and just her range of emotion as an actress you know that end scene or you know I guess the end audition when she's like just so vulnerable and raw and then she had these moments of joy and brilliance and I don't know just everything her whole range as an actress in this film I thought was incredible I agree with you, yeah. I think that it's, um, you know, it it proves again and again that she's just this amazing leading lady. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, kind of, again, a throwback. Like, I don't think there's a lot of them that are still around that you're like, I will watch her in anything. I think of, like, 
Easy A is like yeah. I think like was one of the first like big movies that she led. Super bad, not so. I mean, right. she didn't lead it, but. but like I remember thinking in Easy A, like this girl's a movie star, and over the course of mm-hmm. you know five or six years now, we've seen her prove it over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. I don't think she like tries too hard in movies either. Like, right? It just seems so like. It seems so real. It seems natural. Yeah. I think she tries hard. I just, there are some people who it's very natural with, and she has a natural ability. And I'm going to say the same about, like, Gosling (laughs) has a natural ability. I just don't think, again, and I don't want to take away from him, um, when she was on screen, I was like, like, I had to watch whether and and it could, she could have just been blinking her eyes, and I was just like, you know, she could read a phone book, and I would have been, like, that could have been her audition, and I would have thought, bravo, like, amazing. Yeah. Well, the thing that I liked about this character was that she was probably the most relatable. Yeah. And especially us here being in LA, like we understand the person who's going through the struggle of this industry, yeah. the one who tries over and over again, the the thought of rejection and how real that is, and yet. She she gets to that point in life where she gives up mm-hmm. and like moves back with yeah. her family. Like everyone who who has like been an actor goes through those ups and downs and ebbs and flows of will I get this role? Will I not? You know, and just the the constant rejection that people are just so tired of, but they keep you know moving forward every single day. Yeah, and I'm like I really like that because that was relatable. Yeah. I thought about that driving here today, actually, you know, just how real that was and how many times I've been in that situation, you know, where you're just like, you have this dream and you want it to happen so bad because you're so passionate about, but you keep getting rejection after rejection to the point where you finally give up, but then something happens and you, you go back at it. And I totally agree. It felt so relatable and so real, especially to us here yeah. li- trying to you know live the stream <laughs> yeah and I think I get you girl I feel you yeah I mean I remember I think it was outside of her house uh, her childhood home yeah and she's talking to Ryan and they're saying and she's talking about that like the dream is just like too heartbreaking mm-hmm. and I think that like like we've definitely all had those moments where you're like do you go on and how do you like make that left or right turn to continue and and like find it within yourself and mm-hmm. i felt like that was one of the strongest moments in the that film that was one yeah. of my favorite scenes in the film and yeah yeah i yeah. was incredible and yeah. also um and i'm interested because we keep saying like we get it <laughs> i'm interested to like go see it with my family in dallas over the holidays <laughs> like the theater's reaction there because yeah. Like, yeah. this is all, like, an L.A. thing. Yeah. Right. I mean, Being like, we, LA, we know. Stephanie, you and I, we saw it together. Mm-hmm. And, like, I would I would like to see it with other people who aren't in the industry, who yeah. doesn't have yeah. that mentality yeah. of how it works. Personally, I think that's going to be its biggest uphill climb. Its mm-hmm. biggest yeah. uphill battle. A, it's a musical. I already know people, oh, it's a musical? Check me out. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. See you later. <laughs> um, yeah, people... It's just the bottom line. I mean, people just don't like musicals. I mean, they they don't they don't. I, I'm just <laughs> stating a fact. I mean, I already know a couple yeah. of people yeah. have already said, "Oh oh yeah. oh, La La Land's a musical." I didn't know that. Oh, I wanted to see it. It's a musical. Well, no? like Bye. even on the flip funny. side, like I would talk to people, you know, in the Midwest, and they're like, "What's La La Land?" Like they don't they don't even know what this movie well, is. Let's and be fair, though. Here, I mean, it, we know. About well, it, we know about it don't. because we're hypersensitive to award season. We're hypersensitive yeah. to the news. Yeah. I mean, the movie, uh, you know, thus far, 
it's only in 200 theaters. I mean, it opened up, uh, you know, it opened up in, uh, on December 9th, and it only opened up in New York and L.A. I mean, it's Dang. just building a groundswell. When you're coming out at Christmas time up against movies like a Rogue One, um, that's what's that's what the movie going audience is being attuned to. But yeah. once it starts, like you know, the Golden Globes and things like that, it, it's going to widen out. It'll eventually, you know, it may not be playing in Dallas just yet. Um, but it'll be playing in bigger cities like Chicago to start, like in San Francisco. It'll start to once like a groundswell happens, it'll build up. I mean, but again, we're right now we're just talking two hundred locations. It's not uh, yeah. a lot yet. I also think that the awards that this movie will more than likely get. It's gotten Golden Globe nominations, all of that, and it'll will more than likely get Oscar nominations. Um, will help get that attention because people yeah. watch those shows and then they go and find those films and I think that you'll see throughout award season this movie get more and more attention just based off of winning and because of those nominations they'll actually widen the release to the people yeah. who can actually see this yeah, yeah. I, I, absolutely again though I'm like you know comparing it to the artist um mm-hmm. you know now I, I was doing some research before we started and I was actually uh, I was actually pleasantly surprised. The artist pulled in all in $44 million, and that was Best Picture. I think the only reason why it pulls in $44 million is because of its nominations. award nominations and award wins, like, throughout the entire season. I mean, that, for a studio, it's free publicity. Like, the, the, the publicity team works to try to push and get the nominations. But once that gets out there, then then that marketing machine has a wave and they have things to work with and they know okay well we've got best picture uh, we put it in the ads we can beef up tv and it, it's it's a it's a it's a groundswell it's a wave that continues and you hope to ride it and then if you win that 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 coveted best picture you know whether it's even golden globes like that'll start it but if you win best picture it helps only unless like that and I don't see it happening with La La Land. The only thing that would hurt its its gross is, is if they decided to release it on Blu-ray, like uh, around the Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. Then people aren't going to go see it at the theater, and they'll lose that. You mm-hmm. know, people just the, watch it. At the, home. The, yeah, they'll mm-hmm. lose that that box office. But I think they've released it at such a time where it's garnering a ton of attention. So. Let's get into the production and cinematography. We, we talked a little bit about it, but the, the way it was filmed, you know, shot 35 millimeter, 93 locations, 48 <laughs> exterior locations, and 1,600 extras. I mean, this the, this film, I mean, like, you can definitely tell their musical numbers were over the top grand, and how they filmed it was, oh my goodness, amazing. Uh, Dimitri, you had a few more things on the CinemaScope. Yeah, I mean... Again, it, it took 40 days to shoot, which for this kind of a movie, I'm actually surprised it was only 40. Yeah. You know? No, um, you wouldn't think it. Like, with all no. the things that they accomplished, yeah. they managed to get that in 40 days. Yeah, and, and um, you know, considering the dance scenes, and considering they actually would spend, for example, I, we'll talk about the freeway scene, but another major scene was that dance scene where the girls night out and they're going to that yeah, party. Yeah. And then Ryan and Emma meet and walk out of the party. A lot of this movie was done 
uh, it, let's let's call it real time, being that they shot it in L.A. purposely as the sun was coming down. They wanted to shoot it at what is called the magic Mecca. hour, mm-hmm. which is at like 7.30 at night to get that glimmer. And they didn't want to lose that. And being that you're shooting on, they actually shot on film. If they shot digitally, they could have they, they could have shot it anytime and made it look to whatever. Mm-hmm. They shot it on film. So they had to rehearse they would rehearse like an entire day and that party scene actually they shot they did over 20 takes like just to make sure to edit together and make sure they had the lighting of the sky and of the LA background just right that <laughs> that to me considering that you're using film it's like well that's an awful lot of film like that's got to bring the budget up but the budget was actually fairly modest but it was that kind of detail. It wasn't like we changed the lighting situations. We didn't fix it in post, so to speak. We're actually shooting. Mm-hmm. Like, what you're seeing on film is when we actually shot this movie. And I, I, I found that to be like, who does that anymore? Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I found that to be... Uh, I found that to be amazing, and the scene that's behind us is one of the scenes that I'm talking cool. about. Yeah, the Prius a, yeah. scene where we saw <clears throat> all those Priuses lined up. Yeah. I have to say that, like, I just enjoyed in terms of we talk about 40 locations. Um, if you know LA, it's kind of a Where's Waldo in LA. Yeah. Like yes. you, you're like, oh, that's Silver Lake. That's this. Like you, Griffin, you, Park. Griffin <laughs> Park. Like you can point out all of these things, and like there's a scene when she's doing the Prius and she like walks up the hill, and I'm like, oh, she's actually walking up to the Griffith observatory um you don't really realize it when you're like watching if you don't know that area but that i'm sure helped in the 40 days because they were able to get that and then like be in similar locations they they were very strategic in the way they filmed this for sure yeah i found a website where like they had all the like filming locations and i'm like wow i wonder like how much uh tourist activity is going to go up in these locations (laughs) that they filmed in after people see the this movie. Yeah. First thing I thought of. Yeah, Yeah, and we have to talk about the opening number. Yes, let's do that. The whole... That that was amazing. I mean, that's how you start a movie. Yeah. Honestly. Honestly. Um, But, yeah, Dimitri, you were... Yeah, I mean, you know, it took them three weekends in L.A. at that off-ramp. It was in the middle of of a... of, the of 105 freeway to the 110. Which is not far from where I live, and I know exactly that freeway because it, it's... Number one, I'm going to be honest with you, it's a really high off-ramp. And every time I've taken it, getting from the 105 to the 110, I get scared that as soon as I'm on the top of it, an earthquake's going to happen and, and I'm done. Because <laughs> oh. it is a high, it, it is probably the highest on-ramp that I've like ever gone on. So as soon as I started the movie, I'm like going, I know exactly where that is. And of course you would film there because you can see L.A. Yeah. It's there yeah, so yeah. high up. Mm-hmm. And just the amount of time that they took uh, to film that scene and that it's once again, you know, this is again becoming, I'm wondering when it's ever going to become cliche, but ever since like Gravity and Alfonso Cuaron, and then we had Revenant, or we had um, uh, 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 Bird, not Birdland. Birdman. 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 And then The Revenant, you know, I mean... This sort shots. of long one-take mm-hmm. shots, but this this one sets up the movie. I mean, you're right in it. If by then you 
you if you're not into musicals, you're probably walking out. Like there is no doubt that this is going to be a musical, and the way that it was filmed, and being that it was a hundred degrees, <laughs> you know. But my yeah, my LA real. cynicism comes out and goes, <laughs> yeah. If some kid skateboarded on the top of my car. I'd be pretty pissed. And somebody else would have probably shot him. Like, that's the thing. Like, it was so in love with L.A. that they they put aside, like, the, the things, the, the bad things that would happen if somebody actually got on top of your car if you were in traffic and started dancing. <laughs> but Damn. it's a beautiful scene. One of my favorites. So I can't dance on top of your car? No. No? No. Well, no. well what's also interesting is that... I'll open the uh, sunroof because, and fall right in. Because it's so high up, that ramp, that, like, there were some parts of the ramp that weren't blocked off, and they had to change a lot of the, the crane shots and stuff because Mandy Moore, these, um, the choreographer, was worried that people were actually going to fall off the cars during the number. Which, I mean, that's, that's not really a laughing matter because... No. When you're dancing on top of cars on such a high platform, yeah, yeah the safety does become safety you know in, involved yeah, in yeah. that, and I think I find it fascinating. But what they pulled off with all those dancers <laughs> in such a short amount of time, yeah. And Mandy Moore uh, is, I believe, the lead choreographer on Dancing with the Stars yeah, as well, she and she she's also worked on So You Think You Can Dance. Yeah, and just incredible work time and time again from her. Like you can see how creative she is because some of the dance numbers. Are just, yeah, they're in awkward spots, or you're dancing around the Griffith Observatory, and to get that done and have it look beautiful, I think is really challenging. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and one she thing I really appreciated it. that she said was that she tried really hard to make the dances still feel real and normal, mm-hmm. to where obviously you know when you're watching a movie and people just break out into dance, that doesn't yeah, happen, like- but they still weren't these like crazy over-the-top moves to where it kind of takes the audience out. It still kind of felt like relatable and like real people. You know, it didn't really feel like you were watching some, you know, crazy performance. It still kind of felt like you were in the moment. So I appreciated that, that she said that. Yeah, it wasn't like, how does everyone know the choreography of this? Yeah. It goes like a thousand miles an hour. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, she's an amazing choreographer, Mandy Moore. Mm -hmm. Um, I worked with her for four hours one day. It was random day um she's super nice uh but the, the and she's also been nominated for emmys for yeah. her so like she well, she's sorry. very critically um mm-hmm. acclaimed in her own right and she's super talented and to take being this. able to shut down that <laughs> that on-ramp that you know for the amount of time that they needed and again they you know you didn't have a ton of time because you are shutting down a major i mean that is a major on and off ramp and you know to film to get what they needed and to and to shoot that I think under a very time constraint because we are in Los Angeles yeah we think we we already hate traffic as it is and I don't care yeah, like if I'm stuck traffic. in traffic and it's because of a movie I'm gonna hate that movie before it comes out <laughs> yeah because <laughs> but you know it was amazing what they were able to pull off and again it, it just was goes worth it, it yes, was it was and, definitely yeah it was worth it and again that was. I had my other favorite scene for me was that scene in the Griffith Observatory scene. Mm-hmm. Like, were my favorites. Uh, I, I thought they were just beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, to bring back, like, also another LA thing is that um, there's a train that is actually shut down across from Grand Central Market in downtown LA. And it's been shut, I think, for many years now and they actually used the train in it and restarted it for a day so they like really made it like 
a lot of cool things that are like LA history coming back to life and I just right. had to point that out. Yeah. It's really cool. Going back to the opening number, I watched it at the dome and I was captiva- captivated from like the moment that like that scene opened and going back to Dimitri's comment about the color, like the color like stood out like it, just prime like no beautiful like, yeah. reds, blues, yellows, greens. Um, whatever they were dancing in, yeah. and it was men and women alike, um, set them apart. Like, it was just, it was so vibrant. Like, it, mm-hmm. just beautifully done. And again, when you're filming with the cinemascope and, and you have a great cinematographer filming on film, it literally, for me, like I said earlier, it popped off the screen. And I started at the landmark. Yeah. So I didn't see it like, you know, it wasn't an IMAX or anything, but regardless, it just was beautiful to watch. Yeah. It's so. probably more so because of the movie, but I'm like, I'm never going to be able to see a movie in any, like anywhere other than this place again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, there, there were some scenes in this movie that reminded me of Singing in the Rain. Oh, Which definitely. Like, I love But, but that that's a film. clear influence that Daniel Oh, yeah. For sure. Set. Definitely. But, you know, the, I mean, he, there he are some scenes. He swings around in, a lamppost. Yeah, no, there are some scenes yeah, in Sing of the Rains that were, like, super vibrant in color, like, mm-hmm. on purpose. Yeah. And I definitely got that from this, in the vibrancy of the color scheme yeah. of the whole thing. That's one of the things going, you made a point earlier just about how the film kind of plays with time. And I liked that about it, how it had, um, you know, you, you got the references of Singing in the Rain. You got the, they're playing rebel without a cause you know even like yeah even some of the cars i know they had the prius but even like the car that ryan gosling's character drove was kind of like this older car you know so they had all these moments but still very up to date with like the prius and the cell phone there was one moment when they were i think ryan and emma's characters were having a moment and like the cell phone the ring went off or something you know so i liked how they played with that and speaking of, you know, cinematography and, and wardrobe and everything, one of the um, the costume designers said she wanted even their costumes to feel like if you bought a dress now, could you wear it 50 years ago? You know, so yeah. even every little point in the movie, you know, had a lot to do with very contemporary and modern, but also very timeless, you know. And I think she had a quote saying something like she wanted it to feel timeless with a contemporary sensibility. So... I loved that about the film. All of those little mentions of the past. I do Great, like yeah. that. I do like that. All right. I mean, we, we talked about Damien a little bit more, but, you know, his direction on this film, it, I think it was a simple story, a simple, relatable yeah. story that we all um, enjoyed. I think I said at the beginning that where I think my issue with the story is that the, it totally ch- changed throughout the movie. And it kind of got maybe... A little too real that I didn't really enjoy it right. because I mean it was too realistic. I'm like uh, I didn't feel happy at the end where mm-hmm. I should. That's what I wanted. That's what I was yeah. hoping. Yeah. Um, but again, I say he's he's a really good storyteller. I like the fact that he's 31, 32 years old. He has an appreciation for old movies, and I enjoy how. He uses that in his craft because you can see it in Whiplash. Like, Whiplash, how do you make drumming, how do you make jazz interesting? Yeah. Like, he states it many times, people hate jazz. So how do you go about making a movie that's really intrinsically about jazz drumming and being part of a jazz core in school? How do you make that fascinating? How do you try to make it fascinating in what is a musical? Um, 
that you get people interested in wanting to maybe listen to it. And I think that's where he excels. He makes things look fascinating. He, he gives us a different perspective of things, but yet it's all throwback. He makes it look, when you talk about singing in the rain is, I can't think of another musical that's as good. I mean, singing in the rain is a musical about the industry and it's the best musical about, about the, the industry. industry. That, that that is there, that is that is out there. Um, when you tell people, well, Singing in the Rain is about trying to make a movie, it's, it, people get lost. They, they forget that it's a movie about the business, about the Hollywood business, but that's exactly what it is. And it has its whimsical and dreamlike feel and the, and the dancing and the chemistry, and that's what you need in a musical with your leads. He tries to pull that off here to a modicum of success for me, but there's still this wonderful dreamlike quality in La La Land that you can't take away. Like, and mm. if they go into sing and dance, you know, like this scene right here, it, it was a great scene. Oh yeah, you yeah. Know? When they tap, she puts on her shoes, and they're doing this yeah. tap thing. It's a beautiful scene, mm. and it's magical. And it's dreamlike, mm-hmm. you know. You know what's funny is I thought that the ending would bother me more than it did. Um, Because I am 100% love a romantic comedy, like, want the happy ending, want everybody, as you mentioned earlier, the fairy tale. I'm 100% on board. And for for some reason in this movie, I was okay with them not being together. Like, I love their relationship and their chemistry, but I... I somehow understood why sometimes that type of thing, if your first love is your dream and anything else comes after that, that's not always going to work. And for me, that somehow was okay in this. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, um, you know, was leaving the theater and I heard some woman talking about the end and she's like, I hate this film now. I can't, you know, she was all, all upset about it. And I thought, you know, I'm absolutely every single film, I like to see the characters end up together. And I think one thing um, that maybe softened the blow a little bit is that the direction and I guess maybe the storytelling, it didn't really hit us very hard. It wasn't like there was this big tragic ending to it and they see each other and they're all angry and so I think just even the flashback where she's like picturing what their life could have been like and at the very end you know when they kind of smile at each other and like give each other a nod like you're okay I'm okay you know I think it kind of softened the blow a little bit it didn't feel like it was like this tragic ending it kind of felt more like okay you know they're okay with where they're at in life kind of thing so yeah again my displeasure with the ending is because you did set up this whimsical fairy tale world Mm -hmm. and again I I don't call me whatever you want to. I am I am a romantic at heart, and I do believe that if you truly love one another, you're going to support each other's dreams and you're going to encourage. And I saw that in this movie. And then for some reason, like even when they had that dinner, I didn't catch that as a breakup. Like it's definitely not a breakup when a guy drives all the way to Nevada to tell you about. <laughs> you know, I'm like thinking you're still together. And then when they did the whole, you know, but then when you see her with the with with a, uh, another guy, uh, was that Tom Everett Scott? Yes, it okay, was. that was Tom Everett. <laughs> like I haven't seen that guy in forever. It's like, good for him. He's been and, here. And then and then you know he, the the baby. And then then I was like, well, what was the point of like having that whole fantasy yeah. of like what could have been? Because at that point, I'm like, she ain't leaving him mm-hmm. and her kid to go back to this. What they already had a really good relationship, and I was just like. Obviously, you said at the beginning, they obviously 
fell out of touch because she didn't even know. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a coincidence of coincidences that she just happens to be by, you know, that that jazz club. I'm surprised that she even decided to stay at that point. But I don't know. I like that whole montage was like, what was the point of that other than chewing up ten minutes time? Because they ain't getting back together. Like, not. She seems very settled in her life. Um, I kept so. thinking that it was like a love story of that moment. Like their mid twenties, like they were there for each other when yeah. maybe they needed each other. Sorry. And now as they like establish this career, both of them have separate careers that like maybe they don't need each other. Maybe it wasn't like if you want to call like a one true love. Maybe it 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 wasn't that, but it was something that was like in that moment they needed. And I, I think know. sometimes like in in life that there are certain people that come into your life for like certain moments mm-hmm. and then they leave at the right like, Yeah, like yeah, they come into right your life moments. for the right things and then like they go off on their merry way again. And I think it was <laughs> kind of along those those lines. Like they, they helped each other when they were together and then they eventually parted ways. Yeah. I think the thing that made it like most the ending most bittersweet for me was like seeing both their dreams like mm-hmm. had been true and like Especially the sub sign because it was like her yeah. artwork, um, <laughs> and that whole like music montage thing that we had heard the music like all throughout the movie, and it was like just the music without the lyrics. I liked that part during mm-hmm. the like alternate ending montage. I kind of left more upset, not because the characters weren't a couple, but because. The actors aren't a couple in real life. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, my biggest revelation was that Emma Stone's no longer with Andrew Garfield. Andrew that Gar- was not. Who actually, coincidentally, gave Andrew her the script. Gave her, gave her the script to this film. Yeah. yeah. And also, when but you I mentioned know. earlier that you could watch her read, like, uh, a tel- a telephone, yeah, book, phone book, that's actually in an interview Andrew Garfield, when they were still together, mind you, uh, oh. talked when did about. They break up? Yeah. yeah uh, like, about maybe a year ago. Oh, Jesus. Well, they're yeah. going to see each other at the Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sandridge was great, you guys. Yes, yeah. it was. <laughs> um, but it was, it's interesting because, like, he obviously, like, sees her in, in that way or saw her in that way. And so, mm-hmm. like, and, yeah, to hand her this script to, like, yeah, they'll be at the Oscars. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love to, like, her, her, her audition was basically, I believe she was in Cabaret yeah. in New York. Yeah. And they went to go see her, and that particular night she had a cold. Too. So she's like, oh, this is the night you're like, I, I really suck. I, I can barely talk. <laughs> but she got the role basically because of them seeing her in Cabaret in New York, which is great. And it's one yeah. of those things. But, you know, it's, it's interesting. You know, we talked about it earlier. You know, Miles Teller, Emma Watson, very good actors. It'd be curious. I mean, but would look, they fit together? That's no, I, I, I don't. I don't see why. They, well, I personally, know. I don't yeah. see why they wouldn't. I, I mean, in all honesty, I don't see why they wouldn't. Well, some, and, uh, and Emma was going on better to, written down, but like the, in actual execution, the whole different story. I'm not yeah. saying I'm unhappy with who. Oh, right. Who it went yeah. to? Uh, it, it just. I think it would have been an interesting. I think it's an interesting choice as to who they have because Emma Watson's on her way. She's got a musical coming out next, early next year called Beauty and the Beast. So it's not like she can't handle doing a musical. And Miles Teller, I think, is well. He's 
He's a dedicated actor. He learned how to drum and, and do that. Oh, yeah. And somebody West here is West Side Story. I love West you know. Side Story. Uh, yeah. Also very vibrant Very vibrant and colorful. But it's about That's gangs. That's a good observation. <laughs> yeah, but like it's, a, it's about gangs. Well, yeah, yeah. So, but like, there's I'm a love sure they're not story. Yeah. yeah. There's a love story. Yeah. But the vibrancy But it's Romeo that, and Juliet, definitely. too. It is. I mean, you know. So... We know and they that don't end up together. <laughs> yeah, we know that's not a happy <laughs> Yeah, I was waiting that end scene when she walks in and she's kissing this other guy. I honestly was like, she's filming a movie. I'm waiting. Oh, I yeah. thought I was waiting for a director to yell cut, you know, and it's like, oh, okay, that was just a movie. Now she's going to go to the club oh, and that see. The fantasy land in me was like, this is what's happening. Just wait. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it never yeah. happened. I'm like, no. But, I think I would have yeah. liked it that ending. Yeah, Let's do an alternate so, ending on the DVD. That, that's what happens. Yes, okay. I, I want to, I wanna, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, there's a gentleman online, uh, or it could be female, I don't know, because uh, you're in a but thank you, number one, for being live with us online. And, and you ask a question. Does anyone not think La La Land for Best Picture on Oscars? It's definitely going to get a nomination. nomination. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's so being early. as they are right now, like just knowing what I know today on this date, which is, uh, what are we, December, December 16th, just with the information given, I would say <laughs> yes. I mean, just right now with the groundswell on this movie being what it is, I would say yes. But there are other movies that are also getting some equal attention. There are too many unknown factors. Right. And I was talking to a few people in the industry about exactly that question. Who's going to get Best Picture at the Oscars? And I think we were saying La La Land seems like a good good option for sure. But it could go with the way the Academy votes also to Loving. Like it would be another way that, it, and those are very or different films. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's it's as of right now, like I said, I would say yes, only because of the groundswell around this movie. Um, but it, it'll be interesting to see how various pieces of the puzzle fall into place. I don't look at the Golden Globes as a major barometer for 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 Oscar. Um, but it's going to definitely be interesting. I will say, I do believe that Emma Stone will get Best Actress. I mean, I think that she was yeah. like literally phenomenal to pull off what she was able to pull off in yeah. this movie. I think the technical aspects for this film will definitely get nominated mm-hmm. to cinematography. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, They'll get nominated, absolutely. Yeah, maybe not writing. But maybe it like could, the sound now, editing. I, think well. I would disagree. I think for writing, I think it'll get a best original screenplay. Okay. Because it is, hey, you can't take away it's original. Yeah. And it's for sake of not having been done in a very long time, you know, it's, I, I think, yeah, I think it'll get a, a nomination for at least I, original screenplay. Go ahead. I think for best actress, the, like, from what I've heard, the, biggest competition that Emma Stone might have is maybe Natalie Portman. Uh, for, for Jackie. Jackie. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I think it'll be interesting just in how the voting goes and the fact that the Academy, who essentially votes on on these awards, are all industry people. So yeah. all understand LA and understand the struggle for the dream. So I wonder if that's going to have any influence or if it's gonna help or hurt, you know, either people are gonna say like real it's gonna really resonate with them or it's gonna be like, Oh well I don't know, that wasn't but, how my experience but like, you know the industry it's too close to home. But, yeah. but the industry loves the industry yeah like, so i mean that's 
that's that's a thing too. The industry yeah. loves the industry, so it has that going for it. Um, it's going to be a very interesting, I think, right now going into certain things. A very interesting Academy Award season. I believe it's been a really solid years, a solid year for movies. Whether you're only into blockbusters or whether you're into independent movies, you know, Hell or High Water is is a, I think an underappreciated amazing film that came out earlier this year and I mentioned this movie Sing Street which like I don't know like five people saw and I know one person that saw it three times so so let's say eight people saw it it three times Um, there have been some really exceptional movies this entire year um, not just during Academy Award time Um, Mm -hmm. you know we talked about like The Jungle Book much much earlier on and that to me was a that was yeah and that was a really solidly done commercial film that didn't have a right to be as good as I think it was Um, so I just think that uh, it's it's going to be fascinating as we're really like we're off the starting blocks Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, for award season, and uh, La La Land right now is definitely yeah. getting the majority well, of the, the attention. Yeah, the first award show of the season, the Critics', Critics Choice Critics Awards, Choice. they they won that, so they're they're off to the yeah. races. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely off. Um, well, we would be remiss if uh, we didn't talk about the music. So, mm. from Justin Hurwitz, Becca's clapping. So I think she liked the I music. But, I mean, Becca, you, you downloaded the soundtrack. Yeah, during the credits, I downloaded the soundtrack. <laughs> Wait, did you download? But there are two soundtracks to this movie. There is the, 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 the musical aspect uh, soundtrack, and there is the score uh, soundtrack, minus the musical number, like the, My- the, the dance numbers, so to speak. Uh, I, have the, I have the soundtrack that has, like, like, it includes, like, the planetarium stuff, the montage uh song, the epilogue, uh, and all the musical numbers. Mm -hmm. So you pretty much had the deluxe version. I think, (laughs) maybe, yeah. I I was like, uh, this this soundtrack is too incredible not to buy, and I love musicals, so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think J.K. Simmons in one of his interviews made a good point about the music. He said, you walk out of the theater whistling or humming to what is in your head. And that Mm -hmm. was so true. I mean, like, two hours after the movie, I was singing the song that Emma Stone sang at the end audition, you know? And, like, thinking about how much it resonates, like, the foolish dreamers, you know, and the hearts that break and all that. So it's absolutely true. And even waking up this morning, I was thinking about the music. So it definitely had a big impact. And just the fact that it, you know, there were so many different styles in there. It went from classical. It went to, you know, big band jazz. It went to kind of old Hollywood, like, you know, so I like that there was a lot going on, but it all felt like it flowed together nicely. And even John Legend. Yeah, that's true. I, I forgot about that. Yeah, absolutely. And he was a producer on this film. So like, I, I knew that he had this credit before I saw the film. And then I was like, oh, there he is. Yeah, I was like, But oh. like, even the short amount of time he was on screen, like he brought a, a different sound to the movie compared sure, to what they already established in their earlier numbers. And I know I, I read an interview with Ryan Gosling talking about that he was concerned about that like transition from like everyday life into singing songs and how that was going to play out for audiences. And I felt like in this movie that did not bother me one bit. Mm -hmm. They did it so well. And like I saw clips early on uh, where they're floating up in the um, in the planetarium exactly. And um, 
I was like, that seems like it's going to be weird. And it wasn't weird at all. Like, it, it they just kind of, like, took you on this journey. And I think the music really helped with that. But yeah, that's what absolutely. any good musical should do. Like, right. you shouldn't be, like, you know, whether you're watching West Side Story, The Music Man, South Pacific. Them breaking into song, if you, I mean, where you should, if you, you know you're watching a musical, then mm-hmm. you, you know... You sort of kind of are expecting this, but it should be seamless. Um, you know, again, my other favorite scene, I mentioned that the um, the Griffith Observatory, that was they, they had to build that in a soundstage because there's no filming allowed inside the Griffith Observatory. Mm-hmm. And they were definitely not allowed to hang wires or things <laughs> yeah. so that they can float upon. But uh, again, for me, um, again, that, that was just a, a very truly magical scene for me personally. I just loved how they're floating through time and space and and the backgrounds that were chosen and the nebulas that it was just beautiful and and having that setting be inside of a planetarium Mm -hmm. again for me like like if you're not establishing that this is a extremely romantic movie to me that was an extremely romantic just beautiful scene together dancing amongst the stars um in the way that it was shot, and I, I had no idea that they had to build, they had to go on a soundstage yeah. and, and recreate the Griffith Observatory. Again, I think Chazelle's passion for Los Angeles, like, it's it's through rose, these wonderful rose-colored glasses. I don't mean this as a, as a slight, but, you know, we're in L.A., you're going, like, the Griffith Observatory, and there's nobody there. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's no, just that empty. That never happens. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. I'm like, what Griffith Observatory? I, I love and tying it into Rebel Without a Cause, yeah. which you know, in a sense, put the Griffith Observatory. I mean, so much there's a key scene film there. Mm-hmm. So, um, e- again, we are in a year of nostalgia for film, where it's it's just throwback after throwback after throwback. Whether it's a huge blockbuster or whether it's an independent film, uh, you know, people, for whatever reason, they're having this purchase of going back to the classic days of making movies. So Yeah, and another cool thing about this film, like, most of the tracks were pre-recorded, but there were some performances that were actually live. Right. Like, um, Ryan Gosling would sing live, and Emma Stone, during her, the big audition at the end, she wanted to sing that live, so it had a more diegetic sound. And that's just incredible to Mm -hmm. think about, to be able to pull off that level of performance live, like, like that is, is incredible. And to get to that emotional level in that song. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I I felt it really amped up their performance. Yeah. 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 I think it gives them, like, the push for Oscars, going back to that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, and and again, I was I was more amazed as to how Emma Stone can carry a note, you know. Um, And again, Ryan Gosling was not not miserable at singing, but (laughs) tolerable. Yeah, I mean, he was he was fine. You know, I I get it. Um, But Emma Stone, to me, like, okay, I get why she was in cabaret, like. In her yeah. background growing up, too, she loved musicals, but she can sing, she can dance. And yeah. I mean, Ryan, Ryan Gosling's also been doing it forever. He was on the Mickey Mouse Club. Yeah, like, sure. Right. Back yeah. in the day. Like, I mean, like, this is a guy who, yeah. like, yeah, he's been doing this kind of, like, but his charisma, I think, is is unbelievable on camera. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. And again, the movie that I really, the, 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 the movie that I personally like couldn't take my eyes off him mm-hmm. and this is from a p- 
professional and from an acting standpoint was Drive. I mean, he had a so he had a charisma that I hadn't seen since Steve McQueen. He has those steely eyes, and yet he can be in, in a comedy. Nice Guys is one of my probably one of my top five movies of this year, and he, along with Russell Crowe, were fantastic. But he's just great, and he can be deadpan, and. He did something in Nice Guys that I haven't seen since Abbott and Costello. He did a whole Abbott and Costello shtick. And I'm like, who does that and gets away and still makes it funny? Ryan Gosling did. Oh, he was also in The Big Short. Right? Yeah, and, yeah, and he was fantastic yeah. in The Big Short. Yeah. You know, he can do it all. And his he can be dry comedy, but he still has... This coolness of Steve McQueen. Yeah. Like yes. <laughs> <laughs> Dreamy, like heart eyes emoji. Yeah. yeah I think, again, he's uh, one of the few actors, though, who really stretches between genre. Like, he's done Absolutely. musicals to drama, yeah. I mean, really dramatic work to musicals to comedy. Like, he really kind of goes between and, like, yeah yeah, yeah. 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 And he has such a charming feel to him, which I he think, I think yeah. really this film just, you know, kind of match made in heaven between. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> so let's get into a little bit of the numbers in the box office with the uh, budget at 30 million with PA. Demetri, you said it around 60. Yeah, I mean, it, it, everything's going to depend on how much uh, Lionsgate Summit is going to be prepared to start pushing, you know, to start pushing. Like, with all the award things, they're going to have to push more and more and more. So that means you're yeah. going to have to, you're going to be changing your, you're going to be changing your television advertising and your print advertising and potentially your in-theater, like, posters to start denouncing Again, this is for the sake of conversation. They haven't won, like, Golden Globes or anything. But let's just say for, for... In our little world right here, like, they start winning Golden Globes and start... Then those are going to be added to the ads. And it'll be... Mm-hmm. You know, you'll see the television ads that say La La Land, winner of Best Picture or Best Comedy Musical for the Golden Globes. And Emma Stone, winner of Best Actress and this and that. More money. So, you know, when you get that groundswell, you got to spend more money... So it could be it could be 60 to 70 million. I mean, this is all a, 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 an educated guesstimate that, that I'm putting on knowing what Lionsgate would want to put towards marketing. But the movie's going to expand as well. And you don't want to oversaturate, but you're going to have to make more hard drives for that. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and then you're going to be hoping for the best that the groundswell, that people are going to want to go see a musical. They've done a... Here's where they sort of kind of did a really good job. Once it started doing these festivals like Sundance and all that, there was... You couldn't not hear or or hear about La La Land if you pay attention to that. It got to a point with me where I was hating the movie before it came out because that's all I was hearing about. Oh, La La Land this, La La Land this. You got to see La La Land. And I'm the type of person who sort of kind of like, no, I don't. I don't have to see it. And like, because it's what everybody was talking yeah. about. And I had read an article where Lionsgate, like, is too much buzz bad for business. And they actually, I don't know if they saw that article or felt the same way, but they really pulled back in their advertising. They stopped. Which was, I think, a smart move because once they started to start to release the movie, they started to let the reviews come out and people start talking about the movie. And I think they've done a really good job. They've also done a good job in sort of masking that it's a musical. Yeah. 
Because, like, mm-hmm. if you watch the trailer, you're not seeing full musical. music numbers. It was almost like that, um, to call Into the Woods. Mm. Oh. Okay? Yeah. Into the Woods, the marketing <laughs> sort of kind of hid the fact that it's a musical. They're doing, you know, they're, they're making La La Land look dreamy. Like, they show them, you know, in the Griffiths Observatory, which is imagery. So you're selling good imagery, but you're hiding the fact that it's a musical, which is sort of kind of smart in this day and age. With the artist, you can't hide the fact that it's black and white. <laughs> like you can hide the fact that it's silent, maybe, but not that it's black and white. No, yeah. but I think that um, La La Land, just kind of going off of that, might be the perfect title for this movie. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. like, aptly named, like... Yeah, and like I think just the title alone, you should know what you're walking into. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think the I don't think that it says that it's a musical. No, no but no. like you know the kind but, of story you're going to be walking. Yeah. Into. yeah, yeah. I don't think it would get as much buzz personally if the title wasn't La La Land. Could be. I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't. Dreamers. Yeah. In LA. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Double meaning there. Because, like everyone who like he was tweeting about it like two weeks ago. Before I saw it and like had me wanting to see it was, I feel like they were part of the reason they kind of loved it is because they live here and they're like, oh, La La Land. Mm-hmm. Is that my question? Is do you think this film would be successful once they release it worldwide? Well, I it's think already so. they already have foreign markets, and actually that's one of the reasons why Giselle decided to go with Lionsgate Summit is because they do already have in place. A, 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 a great foreign team to sell off into foreign territories, which they've done. It's opened up in foreign territories and has done four million already. Um, you know, its worldwide gross thus far is six million, uh, with foreign being seventy nine and a half percent of that gross. Domestically, right now, it's only done like one point two million mm-hmm. as of uh, as of say yesterday's, including. But it's only in two cities at this point. And, no, and it's in 200 locations currently. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, when it opened up, it, it was New York. And uh, it got the right. highest right. per screen average. It had beaten out the, um, if memory serves, uh, it was Grand Budapest Hotel, uh, which opened up very similar. Um, it had the highest per location average. Uh, when La La Land came out, it beat Grand Budapest um, for that. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how we do 200 theaters. They'll obviously expand. Um, the Golden Globes are, oh, geez, like within the first week of January yeah. or so. So we'll see what happens then. Um, we'll see how wide, you know, we'll see how wide they go. Like I said, the, the only movie I can sort of compare this to is The Artist. And that ended up topping off of $44 million, which I was surprised at. I mean, it was surprising. We went on a Monday night uh, in Hollywood to this movie, and it was a pretty full theater, yeah, like, for yeah. a Monday night. Like, it was... Yeah, and the demographic was all 20-some people. Like, yeah. tw- people yeah. in their mid-20s, 30s. You know, it was our yeah. demographic. Yeah. I think with the, like, limited release that they do, I saw Manchester by the Sea last week, and it was kind of the same thing. Like, I had to really search to find a theater close to me that was playing it. And same with this one. I think I looked on a Monday to watch it, and the next movie time was not till, like, a Thursday or mm-hmm. something crazy around me. So I think... We all, everybody, I guess, likes kind of the exclusivity of, exclusivity yeah. of things, you know, where mm-hmm. you're like, 
oh my God, this isn't really out. I want to go see it. What is it? What is it? You know, so I think that kind of amps it up a little bit, kind of playing into audiences going to see this. But I think once it gets released wide, I think people are still going to see it just because of the cast and because of the now what people are saying about it and because it's something that's different. You know, there's nothing really like this. So I think it kind of piques people's interest a little bit. They also did a good job here, I think, especially like getting the cast and crew to participate in like Q&As over the past weekend. At like the theaters that were playing it, which I think helped with marketing. Uh, Agreed. And what makes that special for the studio um, is when 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 your casting crew is willing to do that because it takes time. Okay, Um, a lot of cast and or crew like they don't want to. Well, now they just they they're above it. They 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 just some people are just hard to get. I think it's a it's a. It's a united front where they all really respect the work that they've done in this movie. Yeah. And they also know that they're going into award season. So it's part of the quote-unquote campaign. You know, it's very interesting. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how that, how that gets fine-tuned. And, you know, who do we start to see a little bit more of? You know, will it be, like, because eventually, you know, it's it's like a Sophie's choice. The studio is going to have to well, they're gonna have to like pick the person that they think is going to have the best chance. They're not gonna wanna slight the other person, but like, you know, so you may start to see Emma Stone a little bit more well, than Ryan Gosling. I you think know, at least so far the studio's been really, really <clears throat> smart in a lot of interviews, they've been paired together. Like I yeah. think for junkets they've been mostly together, mm-hmm. which shows their chemistry. It reminds you of their pairing because people again, they're that known commodity and I think that they're gonna be the driving force behind people seeing this outside of LA. Yeah. But right. they're no. like the modern day Tom Hanks Meg Ryan. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sort of. That's but true. Yeah, and, and I'm just saying, like, once you start to hone your Academy Award campaign, mm-hmm. you sort of kind of get a sense as to, you know, where the attention's being focused to, and that's where you start putting your money in because you want to, you know, a lot of it does come down. It's, it's politicking uh, at the end of the day. A person like Mark Rylance, who ends up winning for Best Actor last year, who literally came out of nowhere because he didn't do any of that stuff, but still ended up winning um, mm-hmm. for the Steven Spielberg Bridge uh, of Spies. movie Bridge, Bridge of Spies. Spies. Mm. And people were like, so good. what? So good. <laughs> like, what happened? <laughs> really great. So it's, it's, it's just... That's why I also say it's, it's too early. It's very too yeah. early. It's very early. It we don't have a lot of pieces of the puzzle. I think it's... I do want to mention this since we were talking about box office, and I did mention the artist. At its widest, the artist went to over 1,700 locations. So it'll be interesting to see how um, how wide Lionsgate can take... La La Land. Interesting. Cassandra says... Thank you, Cassandra, in the live chat. Um, I do not think... That because this is a movie set in the modern day with actors who have been recognizable names, this film has more potential for their domestic box office than the artist. Me too. You know what? I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a fair argument for sure. Because I think the great thing about the artist is is you can watch this in other countries and still understand the stories and the characters. And there's no dialogue driving like a story. It's really character driven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I and, and, and I agree. And, and to your point, um, you know, the mm-hmm. artist, uh, the artist domestically did forty four million. Were in foreign, it did eighty eight. 
So the artist had a worldwide gross of 133 million, which is sort of surprising That's for amazing. me, considering it was yeah. a 15 million dollar budgeted movie. So we're sort of kind of seeing, you know, again, I have to, I got a preface. I'm talking just about today, just about what information I have as of December 16th. Um, we already see that the gross is foreign for La La Land are higher than what they are domestically. So it'll be, like I said, it's, it'll be fun to find out, as the old ads for the Boston Museum of Science used to say. It'll be fun to find out. Yeah, I mean, and it's getting high ratings. IMDb is yeah. 8.8. Rotten Tomatoes is 94 and yeah. for the Tatometer and 90% audience. Do you agree with this? That's high. Uh, yeah, I was trying I to think of another film I had seen that was at 94%. That's well, so high. What, on Rotten Tomatoes? Right. Oh, no, there's a Manchester by the Sea is like 97. Manchester by yeah. the Manchester Sea was high. And yeah. Moana was also high on mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes. Those, so those three films, La La Land, Manchester by the Sea, and Moana, I think were kind of the highest ratings. When you see that on Rotten Tomatoes, you're like, okay, this film has to be it's good. Like, I mean, yeah. the fact that it's in the high 90s, that's yeah. crazy. But I totally agree. I think just also... The audience rate of 90% is also very high, which it seems like obviously most people, you know, enjoyed this film, and I was one of them. (laughs) Well, all right. Any last thoughts before we wrap this up? Overall, very fun movie. I loved it. I'm I'm definitely going to go see it again. I already have a couple people yeah. that have said like, oh, when you're ready to go again, I'm going to go with you. I'm like, sign me up. Let's go. You know. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see this again. And I think it's one of those films where um, it, it kind of caught me by surprise as I was in the theater watching it. And I'm excited to go back now that I know kind of how everything unfolds and kind of watch it again, maybe from a different perspective or a different point of view after kind of seeing how it ends. Um, but I am definitely also going to get the music. I thought it was was great and I think it's a film that um, was very interesting very unique uh, that I really enjoyed so yeah I felt like this was a movie that um, you know I'd heard so much hype around and it really did live up to it Um, it's so fun and just an enjoyable movie Um, I I love the music of it and um, yeah I think I already like talked my parents into going to it so like I'm 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 gonna be going and seeing this and I think it is one of those timeless movies where like yeah there are modern day moments in it but like in 10 years I can still imagine watching this movie and enjoying it yeah yeah totally I agree completely with the timeless part that you mentioned um one of my favorite scenes that I have to mention real quick is the someone in the crowd scene uh at the hotel in the pool because I liked the cameras. Oh, Oh, whipping around. Yeah, I I think that was just such a fun number. Uh, I was completely, like, into it the whole time. My eyes never left the screen. (laughs) No distractions. Nothing can distract me from this film. So, that's great. Yeah, I mean, you know, by virtue of it being original, like, we are... We are... It is a funny town that... They 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 say, oh, we need more original. We need we need more original content. We want more original movies. And sometimes when that movie is delivered, people just don't go. Um, it, you know, it's refreshing um, to see a movie like La La Land because it is different than what we've seen. You know, in recent times, it's not a superhero movie. It's not people do fly in the movie, folks, but it's not a superhero <laughs> movie. Um, 
So, you know, it, it is, there are magic moments. Uh, like I said, the romantic in me uh, uh, wanted a different ending. Uh, I think it didn't stick the ending quite for me. Um, you know, um, we'll be watching it, obviously, for its 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 box office, its, its award nominations. For me, am I going to see it again? Uh, no, I, you know, not really. I mean, I think I got so many other movies to see, and it's not that I dislike this movie. I wanted to like it more. I'll say that. I wanted, I really wanted, I wanted to walk away from this movie feeling... I wanted it to be the perfect antithesis to Manchester by the Sea. Given the choice, I'd rather see Manchester by the Sea again for its amazing performances and direction. And again, another original story. Not to take away, this is pure magic. On, on See it on a big screen, yes. folks. And I urge you, Academy members, screw your screeners. <laughs> Go to yeah. the movie to see this. Because make that informed opinion and judgment on this movie. Like, don't see it. I don't care how big your television screen is. You are missing out if you see it any other way. Yeah. I've got it. Like, whether I love this movie or didn't, it looked beautiful on mm-hmm. a big screen. Yeah. So... Yeah. That's my I'm, final I'm excited for this movie to be at like an outdoor movie. Ooh, yes. So fun. Somewhere in LA. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Street food cinema. Yeah. Hello. I really enjoyed this film. The musical fan in me loved it. The romantic, the hopeless romantic in me, I thought it felt a little flat. But overall, this movie visually, it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and technicality wise, it was over the top. I and the rewatchability factor is definitely, definitely there. So, thank you everyone for tuning in for our La La Land dissection. In the meantime, where can everyone keep following you? You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Becca B Talks TV. You can please support me on Twitter at DMovies1701. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at OMG, it's MLE. <laughs> and you can find me um, at Stephanie Winger. And you can follow me on Twitter at Serafini TV. You can follow all of us here at Movie Anatomy on Twitter, at The Popcorn Talk on Twitter, social media, all those fun social media places. And we definitely have other Oscar dissections in the bag and upcoming. Yeah, so upcoming. stay tuned. We're definitely going to cover as many as we possibly can. And I want to say a hearty thank you to the people who are online. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Awesome. You, know, yeah. you, you joined in on the discussion of a movie that's very worthy and deserving of the discussion, and you are Yes. great um so this is what we want to encourage people to do so thank you very much folks for being online with us i yes. think it makes this discussion all the more special it does yeah. thank you movie fans and we will see you next time bye, bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the rest of the Anatomy of a Movie staff, we would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie.